Welcome to Conspiracy. What? Great harmonies, guys. Uh, welcome to the show where we talk about mysteries and disappearances and murders most foul occasionally. Yeah, we talk about all kinds of things. Uh, thank you for listening. It's awesome that you're here. We really appreciate it. Yeah, we do. Especially yeah. Robert. Robert was like, I'm going to cry. I was going to cry if nobody showed up, but you guys did. But you guys are here. Thank you. So thank you so much. Now he doesn't have to cry through the whole episode because, <laughs> God, that would be annoying. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Let's just talk. somebody in the background <laughs> weeping openly. Uh, this one is something to cry about, though. All right. Um, so we're going to go over Louis the Prince, but um, just so you guys know, I'm Cameron. I'm Allie. And returning champion, Robert. Champion of what? The podcast. Of the podcast. I won last time. You won? What did you do what last time? What did we time? do last time? It was something murdery, right? Cuban. Uh, no, the Havana and Syndrome. And that's still in the, in the news. The Havana Syndrome? Oh, oh yeah. it's still very, it's still very we're present. We're going to have to do an update on that. I don't want to do an update on that. For my own reasons. Um, anyway, let's talk about Louis the Prince. So for people who do not know, uh, the history of film, for one, is not very old. And for two, it is Incorrect. steeped in controversy. Like, tons of controversy. You've and probably never heard of this guy, even if yeah. you, like these two, had a film degree. You probably have only oh. heard like of one of the people that we're going to talk about, to be honest. And maybe like the two brothers, the two Lumiere brothers. But that's probably it. So... Also, everyone is French in this. Everyone, except for Edison. Yep. Edison is the only one who's not French. He's also the biggest asshole. So is he American? He is I've American. Well, yeah, he I think American. that goes along with biggest asshole. With the biggest asshole. Yeah, I'm thing. just making sure. Okay. Yeah. No. For people that don't know, Edison is a man who claimed to be the inventor of tons of other people's stuff. Including the camera. So yep. this Louis Le Prince guy, he's actually the first one to invent a camera. Um, he's called the father of cinematography now. However, he was sort of erased from history for a while. Um, I know I've heard the name Daguerre before. Yeah, so Louis Daguerre is known as one of the forefathers of photography. One of. Because there were so many people that were actually playing with photography at the time that we really don't know who invented it. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of hesitation to just claim someone invented it. But daguerreotypes are something you've probably heard of um, in the past. No. What they are is they are sheets of copper. They are plated with silver. Uh, he then used iodine to capture an image using light, thereby creating the first photographs. He used warm mercury, warm mercury, to process them. Safe. Very safe. Totally safe. But I wonder what he died of. Mercury never harmed anyone except for when it's in retrograde. He warmed it on anyway. his tongue. He didn't. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, so Louis the Prince, he actually, he didn't, he kind of studied, kind of didn't study under uh, Louis Daguerre, who, by the way, has like four different names and people call him all kinds of different names. Uh, also Jacques Daguerre is another one he went by. But uh, he did as like a nine to ten year old, somewhere around that age, he actually spent a lot of time around Daguerre. So he got a first-hand experience on how all this photography works, and I assume how mercury affects your brain. So, especially as a 9 to 10-year-old. That might be why he invented the 16-lens camera. But he did, yeah. <laughs> so the first camera he invented was 16 lenses. Yikes! Yeah. With too many lenses. Which, like, is kind of cool, because he was like, yeah, we got to see in 16 frames per second. So, so we'll, if he got that much. Yeah. 
Yeah. So he made 16 lenses, which doesn't actually work because you have 16 lenses, which means every fl- frame is going to be ever so slightly off. Yeah. Which makes it a very jumpy video. Yeah. It, apparently he claimed that he did get it to work a couple times, but it was nothing crazy. He only really got it to work when he invented his single lens camera, mm-hmm. which was the big start of photography. He was the first one to do this. And not only was he the first one to do this, he was the first one to do this by years. Yep. I mean, we're talking years. This isn't even like an argument thing. Like, he absolutely did it years before anyone else. Yeah. So. And it was only a year after the 16 lens camera. Yeah. So this guy was a real inventor. Yeah, and he worked or founded or something um, like a school of arts as well with his wife. It's where he met his wife. Hmm. Um, so he was just, he was big into arts anyway. And it was actually, uh, I read one of the interesting things is the reason why he wanted to do uh, moving photography in the first place was because he was watching students paint panoramas. And he wanted to be able to capture all of that, but in one go. So he invented something that could capture a whole panorama. And it's because of him that we're able to do things like eat your heart out, Peter Jackson. Like, <laughs> without his man, this doesn't exist. Like, he's like, years later, a man will only do panoramas. <laughs> that's what's going to happen. But yeah, for those who don't know, that's kind of like the beginning of this. Um, in 1888, he filmed two films in Leeds, uh, England, which is the Round Hay Garden scene, which is very important later in 1888, and then the Leeds Bridge in 1888. I watched both of them. They're very easy to find online. They're very basic. They're not anything super special, but they're special because they're the first films. So that is why they are important. Absolutely. I think it's also interesting to point out that the way we we put together films, like the way you think of old films is like a film reel, right? But the way this had to work is it actually just took 16 different photos a second, and then you had to put it in a glass slide and then put it on a conveyor belt through a projector to get it to work. So thank God we updated it from that, because that would have never been sustainable. (laughs) Yeah, but why are we talking about Louis Louis Prince? Yeah, we don't care about film history. I do care about film history, because it's (laughs) wonderful. That's not true. I'm also on your side. I care more about murder. Or disappearance, whatever. Without film history, we wouldn't be able to watch murder so easily. (laughs) That's true. But just so people know, I mean, like, legitimately, film is very, very young. Yep. And the father of the camera disappeared suddenly in 1890. So he, uh, Le Prince boarded a train in Dijon intending to travel to Paris to visit his brother. Oh no, I'm sorry. He visited with his brother at Dijon, yes. Um, And then afterwards, and this was one of the points that made me the most suspicious about all of this, Mm -hmm. is he was due to leave from Paris to America to stage an exhibition of his work. This was going to be like the crowning achievement of his life. And then he vanished. Yep. Yep. Never got off that train and neither did any of his luggage. He's never been seen again. Or anything else. was his briefcase. Nope. His wife and son were already in New York, like, prepping the the space for him to show his films. Yep, they'd gotten the venue set up. They had pulled in investors because he was supposed... The whole point here was he was trying to get an American patent, which he had... He had an American patent, but it wasn't the one he needed. I thought he had a British patent. He also had a British patent. In, like, he got a British patent on the original stuff, but... The only thing that mattered was the American one. That was the one where you were going to make a ton of money if you could do it, and you were going to be able to push your film to a whole new level because there was an actual like industry there to be able to do it. But he didn't really have that in Britain, so he or in England. So I don't it is like really it. weird. It, we, literally, we've never seen him again. We've never seen clothing from him. We've never seen a shoe. We've never found his briefcase. We've never found the patents that he had, which is a whole other thing because he literally had. 
everything. He had all the paperwork on him. Including, like, blueprints for things he was working on to try and improve the camera. He had everything, which is terrifying. And police from multiple different areas could find no trace of him. No one noticed him. Mm-hmm. And he was, what did you say he was? He was six foot four? Six foot four. Yeah. They, that man stands out in the crowd. In 1890, he was six foot four. There's Just no way there was French anyone the same chops height. And nobody yeah. saw him. Yeah. What the fuck? That was another thing. Is he had very distinctive mutton chops. He had it, like, even though it was something that you could see on other people, his were very distinctive because of the way he grew them out and chose to cut them, apparently. So it was very easy to tell that it was Mutton chops. Thank God that style is gone. <laughs> that style is not gone. It's not I see gone. It on people it's all the time. Gone. So okay. eventually, uh, Louis would uh, be declared dead in 1897. That's a full seven years after his disappearance with no trace. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. This was not just a case where his family's like, "Well, he's dead now." Yeah, they no. really tried with this, which is where it gets weird. They tried after 1897. It was just finally the police that were like, "Okay, this is over." I think it was Scotland Yard that was like, "Okay, we're done. Like, there's nothing that we're gonna find." So, yeah. I, I mean, this was in the 1890s, so murder investigations presumably were just grabbing people and asking them if they did it. I mean, I would imagine so. Again, I've gone back to this joke several times on the show, but it's like the John Mulaney thing. Like, you just find blood in the hallway, and you're like, gross, clean that up. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you can't do anything with it. Oh, they were only just starting to do fingerprints. So, anyway, let's go deeper, though. So, that's, like, the basic overview. This man disappeared. He's the father of cinematography now, but he actually wasn't recognized for it at the time. He was trying to get the recognition. Meanwhile, there were quite a few other people that were trying to get recognition. So, Robert, do you want to pull us into those, like, this <laughs> brief history of film? Yes. So Trying to create film. This was... Uh, I was trying to figure out uh, who actually did invent it, and I fell into the rabbit hole of nobody did, but everybody did. There are apparently um, several points in technological history in which it just becomes possible to do something, so everybody invents it around the same time. Yeah. Um, And this is definitely the case here. So a little bit earlier than Le Prince, um, gonna mess this up, Etienne Jules Marais in 1882 created a moving picture gun. Um, we're definitely going to include that. Literally in the, a gun. Yes. It's amazing. yes it'll be it a looks like a blunderbuss with just sort of like a cylinder <laughs> taped to the top of it. It's awesome. It will definitely be in the newsletter. Keep an eye out for that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's this 12 frame a second camera that um, he used to study the motion of a bunch of creatures and... It, it just is a gun. Yeah, it really is. It's actually kind of cool, though, some of the photos he got. Um, it wasn't... So the reason why this isn't technically considered, like, moving pictures yet is because it was a series of photos, but nobody had known to, like, throw that in front of a projector and then just, like, swipe them across. So instead he had studied it, like, frame by frame, when eventually we would realize you can just... You can move those all at once. Yeah, so, you can run them through a projector. And some people have now. You can actually find those. Um, people have put them to video instead now so that you can see kind of what he was looking at, um, which is interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so next we have William Fries Green. Uh, he's a contemporary of Le Prince uh, who was issued a patent, also issued a patent for a movie camera in 1898. Um, and he had set up work and began to start working it on uh, 1885. And from what I can tell, he basically just invented a slightly different and a little bit inferior camera around the same time. Because that is, like I said, just something that happens once you have the technology to manufacture all the pieces. Yeah. Um, Also, this was the thing that really interested me. He apparently invented the first stereoscopic 3D camera, uh, but no prints exist. So there's really no proof of that. 
That's insane. Bummer. Yeah, I would kind of love to see the first 3D camp like footage like a year after somebody else makes just the first regular footage. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, because I think when I was reading about that, it was also like it barely works. Like it technically works, but it you know you can't tell that just, it's 3D. Just like now. Yeah. <laughs> no, just like now. <laughs> So, uh, as you might have guessed, we were going to talk about Thomas Edison, because a lot of people think he invented everything when he invented pretty much nothing. Um, In fact, I wrote down, that half-deaf bastard didn't invent shit. (laughs) Accurate. (laughs) He just stole everybody's ideas and claimed them as his own. Yeah. That was, that's, it's not only this, I think he also did it with the radio and the light bulb and... We don't really know if he created anything... Because it's hard to tell, honestly. Yeah. Like, I'm sure he had created, like, his first couple inventions before he got the money. Because he was not rich. He went bankrupt, I believe, like, before he actually got rich. Hmm. But then he just, he became, like, what I put here as, like, a counterpoint. He kind of invented big business. Like, modern big business. Yeah. He took a bunch of people that knew more about what they were doing than he did. And he paid them to do it and then made more money off of them. That's absolutely the case. Because the, uh, this guy, William Kennedy Laurie Dickinson, who is one person, not two... That took me a while to figure out. <laughs> Designed Edison's camera, and it was the first to use the electric motor and sprocketed film, which was admittedly a big leap forward. But again, it was this man with four names, not Thomas Edison, mm-hmm. who invented that. All right, so uh, lastly, we have the Lumiere brothers, who we also mentioned. They're also considered the fathers of filmmaking, kind of. Uh, they had mm. their first cameras invented in 1894, so this was a full, like, six years after he uh, Le Prince had made theirs, and that was designed by a Charles Moisson. And another situation where they didn't actually make it, but yeah. they made millions off of it. And I feel like they had a little artistic integrity. They, I have no basis for that, but... Yeah, I mean, like, I, I will say that, like, the Lumiere Brothers, at least they made interesting films. I mean, they made the film that's still considered all the time it shows up on lists as the most important horror film because the train pulled in and supposedly, still a rumor, scared a bunch of people out of the theater. But you guys don't know the story? Yeah, no, I know it. It's the famous story that it's kind of hard to believe, honestly. Yeah, old-timey people are dumb, but that seems extra dumb. Yeah, I mean, I can probably believe that, like, one or two people... I think it's one of those things where it's like, the truth is in the lie. I'm sure, like, four people stood up and ran, but that's, like, the only thing. Some, like, one of those people whose just profession it was to faint, fainted. (laughs) Well, it's like, people had seen photos by now. So it wasn't all that crazy to just have a moving one. Yeah. It's not that out there. At this, at this point. Also, people had already known about moving pictures because Edison had already been doing it publicly. Uh, so, Ali, what happened to Le Prince? Fucking gone. <laughs> he was set to unveil his first ever moving pictures in New York, and he never got to that point. Um, his brother was probably the last one to see him alive because he was there when Le Prince was boarding the train. And like we said earlier, he had everything on him in his stupid little briefcase that is also missing. Oh, we already mentioned this. The British patents that didn't mean anything, and his patents were actually filed before anybody else's. Right. It is more complicated than that, though. So one of the reasons why he couldn't just get the American one, right, and why the British one didn't really mean anything is because, again, the Americans had more industry at the time, really, when you look at it, so they were going to be able to build one. I mean, obviously, Hollywood was built out of this eventually, so that's one of the proofs there. But also, he... Even though he had the American patent, it apparently, from what I read and from what I kind of understand, I'm not a patent lawyer, but from what I understand, he needed to show a proof of concept. So he had to publicly have witnesses to his 
pat to his technology in order to actually attain the true patent. And the reason why this is so important is because if he had attained that patent, no one would have been allowed to sell cameras in America, which is eventually what happens with Edison. So, oh yeah, because he got the royalties every time somebody used his fucking camera. Yes, you get which the royalties, is which it doesn't quite necessarily work like that anymore. Like it works. Like, I mean, you have, like, locked-in technologies that only you can sell, but this was bigger at the time. Because mm-hmm. nobody had anything remotely close to this. Nobody could make one. No. So he would have had a stranglehold on this new art industry, which would have been absolutely insane. Um, so that's why this is so important, and that's why the New York thing was so important, because it was just a bunch of investors that were going to give him a ton of money, and then because he had all of those investors as witnesses to this projected film, because that was another thing, it was projected, whereas Edison's, you could only look at it through the little hole. You could do one person at a time. It was not a projected one. So you had to play it through the box. Ah. So that's another issue, and that's why the Lumiere brothers get a lot of credit, because they did the first projected one. So mm. that's what this guy was going to do. He was going to be the Lumiere brothers and he was going to beat edison in tons of ways and then he disappears Mm -hmm. and he can't do it and of course it's right before he's supposed to show these off and it's when he's holding everything in a briefcase (laughs) and i know you don't have copiers back then but try and make one (laughs) yeah try and make a copy (laughs) yeah just send an email just send an email (laughs) just send that's it's that old trick guys send an email (laughs) to yourself so you know you have the proof right (laughs) yeah so that leads us to basically the first suspect so his brother's the last one to see him. And the weird thing with that is none of the passengers on the train saw him either. No one noticed Le Prince on the train. And like we said earlier, he's six fucking four with a very like particular kind of beard. And so now that like makes me wonder what the fuck happened? Like, did he get on and then like get right back off the train? Like, did somebody get him off the train and he never left Dijon? I, or like, I, where did he go? I think this is a case of like, problematic record keeping with history because one thing that i will say we ran into is you may we may say some dates you may be like that's wrong and that's okay because honestly this is the 1800s I, i've read article after article after article and like half of them said one thing the other half said another thing and then oh, like, yeah. randomly some other article would be like this year happened and i'm like okay they weren't even alive anymore then so that's yeah, any, not accurate anytime we say a year just do like plus or minus five. yeah we're doing <laughs> yeah i mean honestly it's, i'd say like with this one specifically it is literally like plus or minus one or two because it is kind of off and it's difficult to tell when things happen the only thing we know is he disappeared in 1890 i know that for sure but like his mother died and all of that and those are all suspect dates we don't know that for sure but yeah this is this is one of those situations i think though because what i think they might mean or what probably happened is i think albert dropped him off at the station don't think he dropped him off at the train because that makes more sense to me Hmm. he dropped him off where the train was going to be not at the train yeah he didn't see him onto the train right and i think that's i think that's where the confusion comes but some articles do say he actually like waved him off on the train so i don't know what that actual account is and we don't have it written we don't have it recorded yeah they're not sharing primary sources for this exactly so there's not and there's not like any surviving like news clippings about this or anything either i tried to find that as difficult as hell but i mean if nobody really saw him on the train then he might not even have gotten on the train Mm-hmm. But, I mean, either way, the first suspect is really, like, his brother. Um, so, I also saw that there's a word for when brothers kill each other. Fratricide. What the fuck? <laughs> That's stupid. Just call it murder. If it's sisters, it's sororicide. It just sounds like if somebody goes and kills an entire sorority house. Oh, America. Anyway, uh, the theory that his brother killed him really just kind of banks off the fact that Albert, his brother, was the last person to see him. No, what? I'm reading it off the outline. 
Why do I need to read it off the outline? I was going to say, it's another whodunit! Excuse me. So he was visiting family because their mother had died in 1888-ish. And they were both owed money for that from the will. And so some assume that Albert killed him to get his share of money. And the problem is Albert spent a bunch of money to try and find Louis. So it doesn't really make sense that if he killed him, he would have killed Louis for his money to then spend on looking for Louis. Like, that's that doesn't make any sense. So this it's is like really... like a whole ruse that just totally fails. So this is a really difficult investigation to figure out because some places I read said that Scotland Yard and the French police investigated this, which is not true, most likely. I don't think they ever actually investigated Albert. I'm sure they probably did, but like Robert said, they probably walked up and was like, did you do it? And he's like, no, he's my brother. And they're like, this makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> like, the rest of his family did also say like they never actually had like any kind of strained relationship or anything. Like they were pretty Well, see, that's the thing. Is, it's hard to tell if that came from his family or if people said that later. Now, what we do know is that historians have poured over letters that the two sent to each other because they do have those. And there was no strained relationship according to the letters. Mm-hmm. And again, like Ali said, they wouldn't have gotten enough money from the mother for it to matter, and then he spent all of the money and more looking for his yeah. brother anyway. So, like, what was the point? You should have, like, killed him and ran away. But from what I can tell, the actual origin of this accusation that it was Albert actually comes from a 1967 book that brings it up. And the author, I think it was a woman, I can't remember her name, but the author mentions that uh, the brother most was the most likely suspect and probably is the one who killed him for the money. And people have refuted that because there's it. There's almost no way. Yeah, that seems like a lazy conclusion. It to is. Jump to. It is. Yeah, it's, it's definitely pretty. Lazy. Like, oh, the mother died. He probably killed him for the money. Mm. Not any of this other groundbreaking film invention <laughs> or anything that was becoming a patent war in America or any of that. You know. Yeah. That definitely is nothing to do with this. But that's the sibling in the Who Done It. But maybe it was him. Him? Him. Himself. What? <laughs> A little glass file. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so it's possible that he like ran away because of debts. This is just like something that I saw everywhere that people were like, oh no, he was so in debt and, and he was just running away to save his family the financial burden. One, he was carrying the key to that alleged financial burden. And two, um, this was something, Cam, you put in here that apparently he was fine. Yeah. yeah. He was financially stable. For yeah. Sure. Like yeah. he was running a laboratory where he was inventing stuff. That's not usually something you can do when you're broke. Yeah. No, they found his uh, financial records, and apparently they found his financial records, and uh, he was stable, financially stable. There was no way he was going to go bankrupt, like people claimed. Yeah. So. And also, he was about to invent one of the biggest money makers of the time. Yeah, just to remind people, the Lumiere Bros, they made millions. Millions. Millions in, like, the early 1900s. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. we're talking tons of money. So... Um, yeah, so it's almost certainly that that was not ever a motivation. This is another one that just keeps popping up anytime a man does something in the past. Uh, maybe he disappeared because he was gay. And he was just so ashamed of being gay that he ran away with, once again, the key to fame and fortune for his family. Because he was just so, uh, ashamed of being gay. Yeah. There's also a theory that his family forced him to leave, which also doesn't make sense. Because they found out he was gay. 
Yeah, and not that his and then they and went to New York at, like after being like, get out of here, we never want to see you again. Okay, now let's go and set up the exhibition and get some <laughs> investors. Like now, I will say this may have had some type of like leverage here if the family had been like, and we found his briefcase. With all of the patents. Yeah, all of the patents. <laughs> then I'd be like, okay. That's <laughs> and, oh, a little this, weird. This hand still attached has nothing to do with it. Don't worry. <laughs> Just toss it in the sand. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, yeah, it, do, it doesn't really make a lot of sense that his family would have forced him out. Why? Yeah. Why? Because like we said about his brother, like they spent a lot of money trying to find him. Uh, and then, like, why do that? That's, like, just pointless to cover up your yeah, crime. You're wasting the money that you just won from killing him. Yes. So, yeah. it doesn't make any sense. Um, there was also, I found just, like, one thing of this, and I, I usually just treat that as very suspect when it's only one instance oh, yeah. of, uh, like, oh, there's a there's an unclaimed body in Chicago a few years later that... That looked an awful lot like Le Prince. People can look alike. Hmm. Yeah. That one was specifically like he ran away to Chicago to be gay and then died there and that was it. Yeah. Yeah. Like. <laughs> yeah, and again, and the the next thing was like the the next uh, you know suspect in this murder is still himself. <laughs> still him. <laughs> Uh, it's just that he committed suicide again for all the above mentioned kind of stupid reasons. It's literally I think his exact same thing. Cause of death is listed as suicide, but like that doesn't make any sense either. He disappeared so long he died. <laughs> <laughs> Another good one: government assassination. It's always the government. Again, this is kind of founded off of one guy who sort of just said this, but like I also kind of just love it. So I guess this is founded on the the fact question mark that I guess France was on the verge of another revolution in the late 1880s and early 1890s. What that means, I don't know. What kind of revolution, I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, some random source, like one guy, com uh, contacted a documentary filmmaker um, that made a documentary about this case and said that political assassination was the most credible theory. <laughs> um, he said that around the same time, several other French people... He just said French people. <laughs> of notability or not, I have no fucking idea. He didn't say, like, a bunch of famous French people or, like, other filmmakers or, like, anything like that. He just said that other French people around the same time died or disappeared in a similar way. So, a few other people in the country of France... Yes. ...vanished. Yes. Wow, well, that's just some rock-hard evidence right there. In a similar way. Listen. Oh, oh, in, in that Even nothing. Even though we don't know the way. No, no other evidence. But similar. In a similar way. Some of them had passports. Were they going to another country, or were they just disappeared? Are you or, yeah, all southern now? This is France. Oh. Allegedly, Le Prince was part of some other semi-revolution. And again, I have no idea. Like, he called it a semi-revolution. I don't know what that means. That's not... I think that's one of those, like, binary states. Either you are or you aren't, like, yeah, in a revolution. I don't know, like, what revolution he's supposedly part of. If that just means, like, he's inventing stuff that's never been invented before. Like, I guess that's kind of like a revolution of technology, but I don't know. And so, I guess the fact that he was living abroad because he was um, in America, and I think he also lived in England for a while, right? And then he was also inventing world-changing things, and that would make him automatically suspicious. But, like, I don't know, I guess, who knows? Maybe this was much more substantial than I thought it was on needing to murder somebody. Yeah, I didn't really find anything in, like, my research about him having any kind of political leanings. 
Yeah, so I guess the government killed him because he was inventing a camera. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that would make I a lot of sense. Like, I guess the idea is that he's suspicious because he was living outside the country and inventing things and trying to get a patent in America. But I don't know. That's that's the only thing I can think of. This doesn't seem to mention that is like maybe but it doesn't mention the, what the French government was, was going to lose a lot of money. But his first patent was from England anyway. It doesn't really. He spent most of his time in Leeds. It's where he lived. Mm-hmm. So I don't know why the French government would even care anymore. Because he's suspicious. Yeah. <laughs> so that's interesting. You want to get even more interesting though? <laughs> Horse-drawn carriage bludgeoning. Maybe it was the horse. Just just say what you typed. Expect the unexpected, said the horse, man. And now, if any of our listeners understand that joke, please comment. (laughs) So this is actually a theory presented by uh, La Prince's great-great-granddaughter herself. (laughs) First-hand evidence right there. She says that he probably did make it to Paris on his train. Um, The the train was supposed to stop around 11 p.m., which is late. Um, So he probably hailed a handsome cab or a horse-drawn carriage um, to take him to his workshop or whatever. And so I guess it was pretty common at the time for carriage drivers to rob people if they were alone and traveling at night in, in this time period. So I guess the theory that she has is that the carriage driver took advantage of him as a lone traveler, uh, bludgeoned him over the head, robbed him, and then threw him in the sin. The Sin River. And that's where it ends. I didn't see anything like, and then something happened to him in the river and he never washed up somehow. Nobody ever found the body or his suitcase or anything. I guess that's her theory. Although there's like literally no evidence to go off of with that one. There's actually actually evidence to go against it. Uh, That's one that this theory actually bothered me because there's (laughs) enough sources to go off of that I think we can assume that his family actually was waiting for him at the train station. Because so like, the yeah, why would stop. he get off and then hail a carriage on his own? It's the thing that didn't make sense to me. Now, the only thing I can think of is, again, going back, is maybe he was not dropped off on the train. He was dropped off at the train station, or whatever they call it then, depot, I don't know. But anyway, he was dropped off at the train station, possibly, and then he missed his train and then took a carriage, maybe, but I don't know why he would do that, to be honest. Yeah. So it's... I don't know. I mean, there were a lot of people involved in his travels. Like, that's why it was so weird so quickly that he didn't show up. Like, people took him to the train station, and people were there to pick him up from the other train station, and people were waiting for him in New York to get to America. Like, people were aware of what he was doing. Yeah. So why would he get in later than expected? And yeah, get a call a cab. That's weird. (laughs) Yeah. So what's the best theory? (laughs) The best theory is murder. Murder most howl. Like Bell and Howl. They make cameras. Get it? (laughs) So the prince's wife, Lizzie, and his son, uh, Adolphe? Adolphe? How do we think of? I don't know. (laughs) Uh, Thought that he was killed. Adolf spelled the French way. Yes, it's Adolf with an E at the end. Adolphe. Um... They thought that he had killed, that he was killed, or possibly captured. Uh, I think Lizzie believed that mm-hmm. um, by his competitors, most likely Edison, to stop Le Prince from winning patent lawsuits. Um, we're going to get into a little note that was found 
in in a journal of Edison's a little bit later. But um, Lizzie and many other members of the family believed that Edison had kidnapped him so they could hold him hostage so that he wouldn't be able to interfere with Edison getting the American patents. Because mm-hmm. like we said, if he got the American patents, that's all that's of it. the money. Yeah. Yep. He, he wins, wins monopoly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, the uh, that led to them actually joining the court case that was from another company against Edison. Yes, which was the American Mutoscope Company, not the AMC we know today. Uh, They actually (laughs) were defunct in 1928. Uh, I did look that up because I was like, is AMC just really that old? But it is not. This company, one of my favorite little fun things here is this company was directly sued by Edison, um, which is kind of an interesting thing. Uh, They didn't sue him for going after the patents. He sued them. Oh, it's the other way around. Yeah. So that's really interesting. And then they asked the family to come join because they needed to protect La Prince's legacy, which is actually what they were aiming to do. Now, one of the four people who founded this company is William Kennedy Laurie Dickerson. Oh, my God. The two people who are one person. Yes. The two people (laughs) who are one person and also created Edison's goddamn camera. And I think that is the funniest thing because that's just like, that's pure irony. Oh, that is, that is the big business thing to do is I'm going to pay you to build, to build this thing for me. And then if you go out on your own and do anything else, I'm going to sue you for it. But my favorite thing is this guy created Edison's camera and then tried to say that Le Prince was the first one that created a camera. So he was going against his own creation, which I think just proves the point more than anything else. Yeah. This guy did all of the work and wanted none of the recognition. He was ready to take the honesty route. Yeah. No, like, hats off to this two-person, one-man. Like, (laughs) (laughs) um, but yeah, William Dickerson, he was kind of amazing in that way because he fought hard for Le Prince. But anyway, they pulled in Adolphe or Adolf. It's Um, Adolf. Yeah, Adolf. They pulled in Le Prince's son, um... And he actually chose to take uh, a year or two off of school. It's hard to tell how much time. Uh, and he, it, like, poured over files. I mean, he, like, went over file after file after file. Any record he could get his hands on to prove that his father was the creator of the yeah, motion picture camera. he was camera. the key witness in this whole thing, too. Yep. He, I think he brought the films, right? He brought the he garden scene to prove that his father was the inventor of motion cameras. Right. <laughs> so this is my favorite thing. So he brought in the round hay garden scene from 1888, which we mentioned. Now, there is not a timestamp on this. It doesn't work that way. So there's really no proof that this was filmed in 1888. For all the court knows, this was filmed the day before. I mean, like, they honestly, they don't know. So... Why bring this in if you don't have the proof? And also, all of the proof in the paperwork is in the wind with Le Prince himself. So well, there were a couple things left in his workshop. There we'll were, get to that in a second. There were, but there wasn't anything that was like going to just like straight up point to this film being from 1888, except for one fucking thing, which is the fact that Le Prince's mother is in the film. Louis Le Prince's mother is in the film. So Adolf's grandmother, who died. In, I think, 1889 or 18... Or no, 1888 or 1889, depending on what you read. Um, that was already 1887, but there, who knows? <laughs> it, was definitely, it was definitely not 1887, because she's in... So that's the whole point here. She's in the 1888 film. Hmm. So that proves that the film had to have been shot before she died, which was in 1888. So therefore, it had to either be from 1888 or younger, thereby completely proving the point that Edison was not telling the truth. Yeah. So it was actually one of the most genius things I've ever seen because he brought this in and this is like the most direct piece of evidence, which is uh, insane. Oh, and then you had some, but then you had something else about the actual camera. 
he wanted to actually bring in, I guess there was like leftover in his workshop. There were two cameras, like two at least like older versions. And I think probably like the 16 lens thing, but he was denied to bring those in as evidence because the court system's stupid because basically he didn't register them as evidence before the court started. So then he wasn't allowed to bring them in as evidence. So they weren't even counted as evidence. Yep. So yeah. that's a whole dumb thing. I think this just goes to show what I was kind of thinking while reading over, like, just like article after article about this court case. This court case was very public. I mean, it was a huge thing. Like, who's going to get the credit for the motion picture camera? And obviously uh, Edison ends up getting the credit for it. But I think the judge, I, like, I have to question whether or not the judge was in Edison's pocket because he doesn't allow them to bring in the camera, which is a judge's decision at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. and so like he's denying evidence and then he just goes with Edison, even though there's a literal film that shows that that yeah, Prince was already time, making films. The time is there's proof. It's, it's irrefutable. <laughs> there's, there's no way to get around the proof. The mother is in the film. She died in 1888. There's nothing else. Yep. Show the so, film, show him a picture and show her the death certificate. But yet the judge was like, no, Edison is the winner. Uh, sounds like somebody was kicking a little bribery. And so it sounds like and Edison was known for his money at that point in time. Uh, but yeah, so after this victory, the family kind of lost hope that Edison was going to release Le Prince because they still believed that he had kidnapped him. But I think in all honesty, even if that were the case, which I don't believe Edison kidnapped Le Prince, uh, we'll get to that. But um, I think even if that was the case, I think Edison would probably just kill him at that point. Uh, he wouldn't really need him anymore. So it wouldn't really make sense for him to be like, all right, I got the patents. Yes. And uh, a good proof of that is in the most beautiful twist of fate, about a year or two-ish later, um, the, court case, the court case came back into the courts and um, a new judge overturned the case and gave the father of cinematography title to Louis Le Prince, where it has stayed. However, most people still think it's Edison because the case wasn't really public anymore. So nobody really cared anymore. Everyone was like, it's Edison. We all know it's Edison. Edison is the one selling cameras to Hollywood now, so who cares anymore? So yeah. he yeah. had already basically won. Like right, and it didn't, didn't really matter. <laughs> from what I can understand, is it didn't overturn his patent, which is the problem. So he got his patent. So it was just semantics. he lost his title. Oh, so he's no longer That's the father of cinematography. Stupid. But from what I could tell, he one hundred percent still owned the patent. Yeah. And whether or not he just paid off to own the patent or whatever, he did whatever he needed to do, and he just that was the end of it. And then. Hollywood was formed because he's an asshole. But that's yeah. a whole other story. That is a whole other story. It is. Um, there is one additional piece of <clears throat> evidence? It is evidence. It is evidence. It is evidence. But I find... Okay, so I am just giving this away a little early. I'm 100% on board with Edison killed this dude. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, it's the only thing that, like, actually fits everything for me. Edison either ordered it or he... Did something with it. Yes. Um, but this, when I found this out, I was like, this is just a little too on the nose. This isn't a movie. Nobody does this. So, Alexis Bedford, a graduate student, found an old journal of Edison's in a library. I think it was like an NYU archive or something yes, like the that. NYU archive. The New York Library. Oh, the New York Library archives. Okay. Um, so, it had just been there, like, sandwiched between papers for a really long time, which isn't outside the realm of possibility. And it contained a journal of Edison's where scribbled in the margins was this. 
Eric called me today from Dijon. It has been done. Prince is no more. This is good news, but I flinched when he told me. Murder is not my thing. I'm an inventor, and my inventions for moving images can now move forward. Murder! I think Edison grew a mustache in that moment and then twirled it. (laughs) Yeah, that's like one of the most melodramatic fucking things I've ever read in my life. It's also just like... I don't care. Like he's a he's a bad man, but he's not an idiot. You don't confess to a, a, ordering a hit on somebody. So someone did bring up an interesting point, though, which is that this is actually pretty common for people of the time, especially famous people that we still have the journals for. Is they often wrote things that they thought no one would read because the whole privacy thing. Like you write in these journals, people are supposed to respect that. They get buried with you or thrown away or whatever. But. Edison wouldn't have expected anyone to ever read it mm-hmm. because he wouldn't have expected his his journals to be archived. He wouldn't have wanted that, most likely, because it's got tons of his inner thoughts. It's like the Da Vinci thing, right? Da Vinci literally created his own goddamn language so that people couldn't, and he wrote backwards, so that people <laughs> couldn't read his shit because people expected that you wouldn't be reading through their journals, except for Da Vinci, who was like, everyone's going to try and I'm not going to fucking let you. But Edison, I think, with his narcissism, wouldn't have expected it. So it does, even though it's very melodramatic, it kind of is very that's why realistic. From this time is melodramatic. <laughs> and now let's jump to something that's very important. So the archives of the New York Library, they actually let this student bring the book very carefully to uh, NYU. And at NYU is a historian named Robert E. Meyer. Uh, and he is someone who specializes in looking at like historic books and journals, things like that. Uh, they looked at both the handwriting, comparing it to tons of Edison documents. This didn't happen in a day. This happened over the course of a while. It took like months, from what I understand, to actually confirm this. Uh, they confirmed that the writing was the same. And then they used a CT scan. Uh, they call it something else, but it's essentially a CT scan. Um, and it is it was used to identify the same ink that Edison would have used. So the ink matched the time frame, and the handwriting matched his exact handwriting. I did not know that part. Yes. So Robert... is authenticated. Right. And the quote from Robert E. Meyer is, we are practically rewriting history with this evidence. He's confident that it is absolutely Edison's journal. Wow. Which is insane. And it's this whole story that makes me wish that we worked in a real archival library where we could just dig through conspiracy shit and be like, oh my god! I know. <laughs> but also, if this is true, if, if, if Meyer is correct, and this is what Edison wrote, what a melodramatic dick. Like, good Murder is god. not my thing. I cringed when he told me. But, but people did keep records like that, too. I mean, even of like some of the worst things they've ever done. So it's, it's not outside the realm of possibility. So who is Eric? That's what I want to know. That is a good question. That's what we don't know. It doesn't seem like anybody's ever gone into that. There's no... I couldn't find anything on, like... The biggest piece of evidence when you look up, did Edison kill a prince, is this note here. But then nobody says, who the fuck is Eric? Clearly Eric is the hitman or somebody who knew this was happening or was involved directly. So yeah. who the fuck is Eric? Yeah, get back into those archives and, like, find an employee roster or something. Yeah, well, like, why didn't, like, did they go through the rest of his journal and see if there's any other mention of an Eric? Like, clearly he knew an Eric that was involved. Did he mention him before in some melodramatic way? I mean, but there's a lot of little things in this case where there's, like, here's some incriminating evidence, but, like, we didn't really go into all the details. 
Like, who is Eric? Or who is this real dead man in this photo? Or What I'm wondering is, so if Thomas Edison is the type of person that he seems to be, which is very similar to, like, Da Vinci, or a lot of uh, big scientists uh, from history who didn't have a good way to record their thoughts, they were just writing down in journals. This meant that they had hundreds, if not thousands, of journals. I'm wondering if the answer to that question is probably still in the New York archives. Somewhere lost. Let's go. Because one of the librarians that works in the New York archives, she said specifically that it's not surprising that he found an old journal from Edison that no one knew existed because they have stuff like that that's found all the time because nobody goes through and inventories it anymore. He's in a, He was in a section of the library that just no one inventories. It literally sits there to rot. So the there's, fuck? it's just, it's old books that no one wants to pay anyone to go through every single one of those books. Why not? Because it's a I'll lot of it. work. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Right? But also, people but would do it. Not all of those are going to be important either. Some of them are going to be things that just don't matter. I mean, if that's just the truth. Like, they're going to be random journals from people that you've never heard of. Today I ate a cake. <laughs> Probably. It was lemon. It was the highlight of my entire life. <laughs> um... But yeah, that's anyway. Uh, but yeah, this is so. This is really interesting, though. I mean, we have a historian who's confident. He is very confident that this is Edison. However, I don't really know anything about Alexis Bedford. He it said he was a he. Uh, he doesn't have a lot of information or anything like that. Who knows? Could this be like uh, the what are the what's the Mormon thing called? Uh, the golden papers oh, the or whatever. Salamander. The salamander. Letters. The salamander letters. This could be a salamander letters situation where it was confirmed by multiple people that these letters were original pages of the Mormon Bible, and then it was found out that it was wholeheartedly a forgery. And this guy had just figured <laughs> just out how to forge really good forgery. Really, really <laughs> well. Huh? So this could be that case. It doesn't seem to be the case because we have other people, like a librarian, that said, yes, you can pull that out of our library. But it's hard to say. One of the things that does is a little suspicious is Alexis Bedford did supposedly already know a lot about Louis Le Prince, which is kind of a weird thing. But they're also going to a New York University where there's a lot of film stuff. So it's you know it's hit or miss. Like it's it's back and forth. Yeah. So those are the those are the documents that we have. They could be real. They could be fake. Nobody's proven that they're fake. So for now, I'm gonna go with the fact that they're real because yeah. we've got someone who knows what they're talking about who's saying that they are. But let's move further into the conspiracy here. Let's go two years because after the court fuck. case. Yeah, two years two years after the court case. So going back in time again, back to nineteen. Please note that his son Adolf or Adolfe or whatever Le Prince uh, was one of the key witnesses in the court case here that was vouching for the fact that Le Prince was the the first man to create film and he deserves the patents and blah 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 and he spent all his time and money doing this and he was also pretty consistently saying that edison had him disappeared yeah yep. he believed that edison had something to do with it mm-hmm. and so uh cut to 1901 when his son possibly commits suicide while duck hunting which is heretofore known as getting dick chaneyed <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> Basically, he was found dead. On it was on an island, right? Yeah, Around New York, I think. There's a lot of little islands out there. Yeah, um, but he was duck hunting. He was apparently duck hunting. He was found shot to death, which you don't use for one bullet typically. Typically, that's like a barrage of bullets. Yeah, actually, come to think of it, duck hunting, you're supposed to use like like lighter pellets and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's also like a rifle. Yeah, <laughs> how do you? 
What? How, yeah. How, how do you turn that? It's like Kurt Cobain all over yes, again. It's Kurt Cobain. It's how Kurt the Cobain. fuck do you kill yourself with a shotgun? You don't. Yeah. Nor with a rifle. With a pellet rifle. That's the weapon of choice to murder or yourself. To murder yourself. Yeah. Just like gotta try eighty times. You gotta reload partway through. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, this this poor man is found dead, supposedly shot to death, and also there are reports that his body was like battered, like beat to a pulp. Yeah, that's a, those are different reports. Yeah, yeah. But either way, um, he was definitely shot. But it was never conclusive whether it was suicide or murder. And honestly, it sounds like the police didn't even actually investigate it at all. Nope. They just kind of were like, well, he's dead. Moving on. Sound like somebody had some bribery. Yep. Yeah. And Lizzie, um, Louis' wife and Adolf's mom, she's positive that Edison killed both of them. She oh, had both She took killed. that, as far as I could tell, to her grave. It is very hard to find out about her life after Adolf disappeared. It seems like she did as well. Sorry, after Adolf died. Uh, seems like she kind of just falls off the radar again. Nobody cared about LaPrince anymore. So everyone cared about Edison at that point. Mm-hmm. Hollywood was just going to start up, and that's all anyone knew. So, Which is incredibly suspicious, seeing that he was the main... Like, he was vouching for his father through the whole case. I mean, obviously his yep. father was gone or dead, and so he had to step up and fight for his father. Yep. And then he's dead. Weird dink too. Don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, weird, funny coincidence. I'm not going to conspiracy this like I usually would, just because we don't have time. But <laughs> um, but Edison's first wife died at 28 years old. Adolf LaPrince was murdered or suicided at 28 years old, huh. which I thought was a very weird coincidence. For those who don't know, Edison's first wife, he married her when she was 16. So they're part of the 28 and club, not the 27 club. she's 28, yeah. But I just thought it was a funny coincidence. His first wife dies when she's 28, and someone that he's supposedly involved with, and at least into a court case, dies when he's 28, which is a very strange coincidence. So, yeah. But with the way that he's melodramatic, apparently, according to his writings, I can see him twirling that invisible mustache and going, you know what, I'll kill him in a year. So I'm gonna wait for, wait for the heat to die down. Yeah, and then he's gonna go duck hunting and kill himself with a pellet gun. <laughs> pop, 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 pop. Anyway, there's some photo evidence that we talked about. Dun dun, 2003. That's right. We're going 102 years later because after this, Edison takes over the world. That's just kind of true, honestly. Yep. He does. He takes over the entire industry. He is the industry until he dies in 1931. Oh, anyway, no. somebody found a photo in the French police archives that they say closer, closely resembles Le Prince. It's like some crazy close-up photo of a dead man's face. We will and, put it in the newsletter because we have yes. it in our outline. Um, and some say this is proof of his murder slash drowning. Murder by drowning. Um... <laughs> The only thing that I, the only question I have is people are like, we found this photo in the archives and it's probably Le Prince. But who does it say it was? Is it just a random unlabeled it's photo? An, yeah, it's an unknown. I mean, that's not uncommon. You know, where they that's, pull them out right, of the river in and the 1800s. Like, why bother taking a picture of it? In the 1800s, if there's not someone in the immediate vicinity that knows the dead person, that's an unknown. Yeah. That's so because he's just a John Doe? Just he's just a John Doe. Fucking yeah. dead guy in the French archives? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure that wasn't like the only... Dude, they just pulled out of the river that year. I know, but like, why focus on this one is what I'm wondering. But I guess because they say like that the height's incorrect, like we said. Yes. Louis is 6'4". According to the reports, he's much shorter. Now, 
like the man who they dredged out of the river is much shorter now the question there is where are those reports because they're not public at least they're not online public it's not like hearsay shit which is why this is a conspiracy well and it's hard to say yeah it's hard to say like did they measure him correctly police were also known to not do their job very well did they just write down a number but i mean also i would imagine that if someone like if he's six four and they find a six four body they're gonna at least write like six feet so they're gonna at least like he's do a roundabout. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I whatever can't French for really fucking tall is. <laughs> what I read is that he was much shorter. So I don't know if they checked for his legs. It's just a close up of his face. <laughs> but they also said that, like people that are countering the claim that this is Le Prince, say that his beard length was not right, which I think is a weirdly specific thing to bank off of. But I guess, like you were saying earlier, he had very specific mutton chops. I don't know, but like, I guess his beard in the photo is much shorter than his mutton chops were allegedly in life. Well, and here's the so here's an easy way to go into this. This is a, an important thing. Um, they use this for the difference between suicide and homicide a lot of times in cases now, which is if you find a victim whose hair is perfect and their nails are perfect and their makeup is done, and someone's claiming they committed suicide, but it's iffy. Why would someone go through all of that trouble, like shaving down their mutton chops, for instance, if they're going to kill themselves? It's usually something that's often used to be like, this is not a fucking suicide. So in like that they case... they're ready to go about their day and then right, somebody they're, killed them. They're ready to go about their year. They're not ready to go about their day. They're still planning ahead. They're trimming their facial hair. They're making themselves look nice. They pay their taxes. And especially for a man <laughs> to do that in the late 1800s, that's a bit different. But... It also is weird from a murder standpoint because his brother didn't say anything about his appearance being different. There's nothing in the records about his appearance being different at all. He's the same man that has mutton chops and is six foot four, looks exactly the way he always does because that's how they tried to identify him on the train, which means that if someone killed him and then dumped him in the river, they shaved him first, <laughs> which is, but not all the way. But they just didn't shave they gave him a trim. They just trimmed it. So, like, that's also weird. Unless the killer kept it as a souvenir, I guess. Like, here's his mutton chops. I'll leave the rest of the beard. <laughs> that's Gross. weird to Everybody do. knows him by his mutton chops. He'll be identified by his mutton prints. <laughs> <laughs> so, basically, this kind of ties in with the weird great-granddaughter theory from earlier where he gets bludgeoned by a carriage driver and thrown in the river because this, this post-mortem photo is of a man who drowned and was found in France, which the largest river in France is the Seine. So I guess you could kind of say those are connected. Like, But that would mean that he has to make it to France. But they're pretty the unfounded. Issue. Yeah, He was already in France. Or he has to make it to the location that she was claiming that he had to, though, is what I'm saying. Like, he had to make it to his workshop. Or yes, I was just there. checking that. It's Dijon is not near the Seine. Okay. So he would have to have gotten on the train she in order for that, that to work. She was saying he got off in Paris. Oh, oh, okay, that was part of her theory. Yeah, which okay. is near the sin, I think. But why would he is the only question? I don't know, that doesn't, just, make it any just doesn't sense. really make any sense. It honestly, like, it goes back to the, um, to the Summerton man, who, like, you're like, why would he get off of the thing that's taking him to the place he winds up just to get there at a slower rate? Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. Why, why would that? he do that? Why would you get off of a train to take a carriage in the middle of the night when you have family waiting for you to get off the train? Yeah. That's weird. So basically, this was a long-winded way of telling you guys that Thomas Edison murdered a man. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely did. <laughs> yeah. I think there's... He hired a guy who killed him 
like maybe in the train station or something, and then stomped him into a briefcase, and then <laughs> got on the train and just did away with him. Is that what your is theory? this Mario? <laughs> well, no, I was thinking just a like, man in the French train station jumping up and down with his fist up, <laughs> bouncing, boing, just like any coins in the suitcase coming out of him. <laughs> What? Did he jump down a pipe afterwards? Okay, fine. Okay, no. He didn't do that. He probably, like, used a potato masher or something. But the point is... That is more horrifying than anything Jeffrey yeah, Dahmer that's, did. That is, that, is, that is worse than the immersion blender in a cow. This is going to take so damn long. <laughs> Why didn't I bring better equipment for this? Okay, Robert, what do you really think happened? Unless that's actually your theory. No, no, I I mean, some variation on that where it's like, you know, uh, his brother drops him off at the train station. Le Prince goes in to use the bathroom. They kill him and somehow conceal him and get him out of there in a way that, like, they can just bury him in a field somewhere because it's the 1890s and that's a plausible way to dispose of a body. Okay. Edison is a murderer by proxy. So you think Edison definitely did it? Yeah. Cool. I, I think, is this, next. like, the first time we've all been in agreement on the source of a conspiracy. I think we were pretty close on Havana Syndrome. Oh, yeah. Because we all at least agree it's weird. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So. But I'll I'll say I I agree. But I think that he did get on the train because the only thing that makes sense to me for getting rid of him with nobody noticing is he threw him off the train somewhere along the train train ride. Yeah? Like, Hitman got rid of him somewhere. I don't know. Or, like, they got off somehow... Yeah, like, Maybe it, there was a random stop in the middle of nowhere, and he got off and killed him and buried him. I don't know. Like, threw him off a bridge that were going think, over. I don't think Edison himself killed him, which I did see a few things claim that. Like, I don't think Edison had the stomach to do something like that. Yeah. However, he was evil enough, I think, to hire somebody to do it. Yeah. Because if the journal is correct, which there's pretty strong evidence that it is, he is some little priss that's rich and wanted to win... And so he hired a hitman, even though it makes him sick to think about it. Yeah, because it also wouldn't make sense for for Edison to just, like, vanish for the... I mean, this is still when we're using, like, steamer boats to get across the Atlantic. That's, like, yeah. weeks. Yeah, and so he would have had to get to France to kill him. Yeah. Eric killed him, whoever Eric was. Who the fuck is Eric? Somebody tell me who Eric is. But it's really weird, I think, that nobody seems to have gone into who Eric is. I mean, it's impossible to find unless you know, like, all of his associates. And you read the rest of the journal, at least. Like, you can't at least tell me that there's no other mention of Eric in this journal. Or in any of uh, anything else that Edison did in his life. Yeah. If we have enough things to cross-check the writing with. You must have, like, some payroll receipts or something. Who is Eric? (laughs) What I will say is, so, I also think Edison did it, um... I think I think he paid the money to have Le Prince disappeared. Now, what I think most likely is the only name that Edison actually has is Eric. I have a feeling he probably has murder by proxy by proxy. I think he probably knew someone who knew someone who could do it. Because Edison wouldn't really know people in France either. And I think that's a big point. Is I think that Edison probably knew someone else who was a close confidant or an associate or whatever, maybe someone that we all know the name of, who knows? And he used that person's connections to get Le Prince gone. And I think that if you were to look to see who also benefited off of Edison's patents, you'll probably find who that is, but you'll never be able to connect that. 
So I, I think if you ever look through and you find multiple names that also he gave royalties to or whatever, Edison was a very greedy man. So there's a good chance that yeah. anyone in that circle is someone who helped him do it. And I think that that's probably the most likely thing. Now, what I do want to put forward as just a fun bit <laughs> is that there was a man that was on the move at the time who has been accused of multiple things, um, but he's the most famous for a murder castle. And that is oh. Herman Webster Mudgett. I love calling him that because he sounds like a fucking Muppet. Uh, that is H.H. <laughs> Holmes. Oh, okay. Yes. But Herman Webster Mudgett sounds like a Muppet. Um, so, but H.H. H. Holmes. So H.H. H. Holmes lived in London at the time. He his whereabouts at the time were not very well documented. There's a lot of people who think he was Jack the Ripper just because he would have been similar time framed, right? Um, and there's a possibility. It's most. It's very unlikely. Um, but he obviously, with his murder castle, he had had practice. It was not the first time he had killed people. That's a pretty definite thing when you look at it, and. London is not far off from where H.H. H. Holmes, or, or like from where Le Prince would have been. He's not far off from Paris. But he would have had to cross the English Which channel. is why I said yeah. he was on the move. We don't know his whereabouts before he came to America. We know he should have been in London for a while, but then there's a time frame where he's gone. Huh. So just for fun, and I have no evidence of this whatsoever. <laughs> Much like many of the it's theories It's just in the case. fact that I know who H.H. H. Holmes is, this weird Muppet murder man. <laughs> And the fact that he has a weird period of time where he's gone until 1891 when he's doing the murder castle thing, when he's in America, we know that he was on the move. So I do think it's kind of an interesting idea because they're not far enough away from each other for me to be like, there's no possible way. But why way. would he care to kill Louis Le Prince? Why did he care to kill anyone? Holmes was not the Holmes was a man who collected well, trophies. Well, this is just like a, a guy on a train. Like, why would he target him? Holmes didn't target any, I mean, he, he wasn't like a, I'm targeting this specific person for this specific reason. He just killed people. He wasn't like a Jeffrey Dahmer where he's like, I need these specific types just of people. Just imagine he easier. like was on a train in, in France and was just like, that guy looks like an asshole and he kicks him off the train. I hate his mutton chops. <laughs> Fuck that guy's Holmes, mutton chops. I could see Holmes killing a random person in Paris. There's no way he didn't Wouldn't practice. Wouldn't that be unfortunate if H.H. H. Holmes just had a random murder it's, it happened to be Louis Le Prince, oh. one of the most important, possibly important people in history. It just, it also, like, part of my brain is, like, trying to connect pieces, like, conspiracy th theorist style, where that don't actually fit, but they kind of work. Um, where, like, Holmes oft also traveled by train, especially when he was trying to escape, which is an interesting thing. When he was trying to go off the radar, he used train every time, because he stole this one woman's kids and then murdered them brutally. But he stole Jesus them. Jesus Christ! He stole them and he took them on a train, which is why the police couldn't fucking find him. Because he was just taking trains all over America. So, he did do that. But I'm just throwing that out there, because it's fun. Anyone finds proof of that, that'd be cool. Because <laughs> I'm not gonna go do it. I would like to congratulate you. This is probably your most plausible wild theory. Thank you. Yeah, Cameron's conspiracy corner just took an actual, like, down-to-earth turn a little bit. <laughs> I, I don't think it's unfair, because we don't know his whereabouts at the at time. At least the time frame makes sense, and these are real people. Well, yeah. he shows up in America shortly after, and guess who had a ticket to America? In his briefcase, yeah. with him. I can imagine Edison knows somebody who's like, yeah, I know a guy who just loves killing people. <laughs> Eric. I just, I imagine that... 
Holmes is like, like he finds a briefcase and he's like, well, there's a ticket to New York, and then he just throws the rest away. <laughs> I don't <laughs> What's know. What's all this blueprint shit? You can't kill people with this. Um, but anyway, yeah, Holmes. So is that's like, Cam's theory, and that's no, our that is not my theory. My theory is that Edison actually did uh, hire someone to kill him by proxy. Um, but I don't think Holmes did it. I just think there's slim possibility that they could have met at some point in time. So I'm not gonna just let it disappear. But LePrince did. Um, Do you think that Thomas Edison murdered a man? Yeah. Let us if know. If you don't, then you're wrong. He murdered an <laughs> elephant. He's a shit man. Oh, yeah. He did that, He's too. not above murder of things. We do yep. have proof that he murdered a We have thing. literal video proof that he murdered a lady. It also thing. fits really well that he wouldn't do it himself. Yeah. Like... I think he's a little wuss. Yep. Well, um, thanks for yeah. listening. Yeah, let us know what you think. Uh, let us know if you think there's any possibility that H.H. Holmes did it. Let us know if you think that Edison did it. Let us know if aliens maybe abducted uh, Le Prince, because nobody's proven or disproven that. Uh, so just go with whatever you, your gut tells you. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I just want to take one quick uh, aside before we close up to say that, um, uh, Angel, I'm very happy that you got to be on a moon episode. I'm just really thrilled. I mean, I've been on like four, so you still got some catching up to do, but... Oh god, he's gonna lose his shit. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna tell him to listen to this episode. <laughs> so you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also read our newsletter at tinyletter.com slash what. Read it! And we also post all of our books that are involved. I think there is at least one with this one on our Goodreads account. There's actually quite a few books, yeah. And also a documentary, but it's not publicly released as far as I know. Fuck. Um, yeah. So there's quite a few. I can't put that on Goodreads, though, so you'll have to Google that yourself. Yeah, and if you don't believe us, just for fun, that Edison is an asshole, because sometimes people don't believe things like that, just go read anything about him. Anything. <laughs> Literally anything about him. He is not a good man. Read something other than out of your elementary school textbook. Right. Yes. If you want to believe he was a good man, go watch those children's cartoons that include him. However, if you want to see the real Edison, literally read anything. Yep. Everybody yes. knows he was an ass. He was. He was just a bad guy. Um, so, yeah. follow us places. Oh, also, donate if you love us enough, because it'll help us keep things running and keeping ad free. The link is ko-fi.com slash what, and Kofi is spelled ko-fi.com slash what. Yeah. And again, it's just there if you want to help support the show or whatever. We, it all just goes straight to the show. And yeah, you don't have to, though. We appreciate you just listening regardless, to be honest. So Yay! thank you for everybody who tunes in every week because we do know there's quite a few people now that like tune in every week. So thank you for that. Thank you. If this is the first time listening to this episode, go back. So we've got a whole bunch of crazy ones. Uh, we just did a three-parter on JFK, which was a lot longer and a lot crazier than we expected it to be. That oh, so you must be a huge insane. fucking nerd to start on this one. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's that's also true. But I mean, hey, if you liked it, let us know. Um, if you didn't like it, let us know in those five-star reviews. Um, yeah, that's always the best way to get our attention. That's the only ones we read. The only ones we need. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, I've been Cameron. I will be Robert. I think I'm Allie. <laughs> uh, remember to always stay stitious and make copies before you just carry around the only pieces of paperwork you have <laughs> to your patents in a goddamn briefcase so that you can disappear on the train. Cameron, it's not like he invented some kind of device that rapidly takes images of things. Now that you've said it, I'm more mad. <laughs> <laughs>